Hey everyone, welcome back to Top 5, brought to you by Define Talent, a Define Logic service. Define Talent is an impactful, results-driven service working with clients to connect them with quality talent, as well as making our biggest impact that we possibly can within the recruiting industry. We're here to talk straight about today's professional world with real-world professionals, experts in recruitment, job seekers, and business owners alike. Have any questions for us, ideas, or topics you'd like us to deep dive into? Send it in and you might spur our next conversation. I'm Tara Thurber, Director of Talent Innovation, and joining me to discuss how to show up as your best self for a virtual interview through five best practices is Victoria Wright, Recruiter and Business Development Partner at Define Talent. Hey, Victoria, how are you today? Hey, Tara, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. No worries. So Victoria, tell me, what are you finding or just for you as a recruiter, what do you tell talent the top five best practices are while navigating a virtual interview? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, you want to treat a virtual interview just as important and as seriously as you would an in-person interview. I always tell talent, act as if you're meeting this person in person and not in front of a computer screen. So the first part of that is obviously making sure your computer is functioning. If it's over Zoom or Skype or WebEx or what other type of platform it might be, I always recommend logging on the night before, making sure it works, and then checking again like 10 minutes before your interview, making sure you can actively get into the technology that it's working. It's not having any issues. If you are having an issue, again, checking early enough so that you can let somebody know, hey, I'm having some sort of technical difficulty is key. The same way you would call if you were running five minutes late to your in-person interview, you have to treat this the same way. People's time is still very valuable. The last thing you want is to keep the person you're meeting with waiting for five, 10, 15 minutes because you can't get your technology to work. Right. But also making sure you have a strong Wi Fi connection is really important. Obviously, you don't want to have awkward pauses in the interview. You don't want to have the call drop or glitch. Now you're frozen on a weird, funny face or vice versa. So that's a really common sense thing to do. But a lot of people don't always realize, hey, maybe I don't have the best Wi-Fi in certain parts of my house, or, you know, maybe I need to go somewhere because my house in general doesn't have the best Wi-Fi. Like these are little things that are just going to set the better impression. And also making sure you dress for success. Same way you would for an in-person interview. You want to wear a nice suit, blazer, if you're a guy, a nice button down with a tie. If you're a woman, a nice blouse or a sweater, something that's just going to really set the stage, make sure they know, hey, I'm taking this job seriously. I don't care what job you're interviewing for. If it's an entry-level role or an executive-level role, you always want to dress the part. And sometimes you almost want to dress more than the part to really just show them how excited you are and how serious you are about setting a good impression. And going off of that's just body language in general. I think it's important to make sure you're making eye contact in a video interview. I think some people get distracted by the room around them. If they have pets walking around or children walking around, 
you'll notice that their eyes are not on the interviewer. And again, you can't be there in person to give them that actual handshake. You have to do that with your eyes. You have to make sure you're focused on them. Looking up to think or take notes every now and then is totally fine, but you still want to have that good eye contact the same way you would in person. Because again, this person is relying on this as your first impression, especially in a situation today where because of COVID-19, you're not getting that chance to do it in person and, and make up for that video conversation. So you almost want to do a little bit more than you probably think you should, just so that they really can understand, hey, they were focused. They're not distracted by what else is going around. They're in the moment with me and they're taking it seriously. So all of that, I think, is probably the first bucket, which is just making sure technology-wise and presentation-wise, like you're ready to go. My number two thing would be just being prepared about the position, the company, the job description, everything in that sense. You want to make sure you fully understand what the responsibilities are so you can speak about when you've done them before, why you're a good fit. You also want to be able to speak on the company itself and why the company excites you, why that's a good fit. Any key facts about the company, hey, I noticed last year you had... X amount of revenue, or you hired 10 different people across five departments, whatever those facts might be, is just going to show them you really did your homework. And that's what they want to hear. Every hiring manager wants to know that you came to the interview ready to talk about the company, but also that you genuinely want the job. People who don't come to the table with those things look disinterested and don't look like they're taking it very seriously. You want to use that moment to really like butter them up in that sense. Um, and I think from there, it's just about making sure you're prepared to answer questions. A lot of the common interview questions that we see as recruiters getting asked by our clients are some of the general, just, hey, what do you actually know about this company and about the job? And why do you want a role like this? some of the biggest weaknesses that you have and going off of that, some of the biggest strengths that you might have. And tell me about a time that you had a really momentous achievement, something that was really a proud accomplishment for you or a challenge for you, how you turned it around. And then just what are you looking for in a new position? Tell me about your job history. Why are you leaving your current role? Things like that are some of the biggest questions that we're seeing. Okay. One other one too, Victoria, that I've heard is a big one. Why do you want this job? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really great one as well. And we can probably have a, a soul podcast just dedicated to that question and how to answer it. These are the types of questions that are going to come up a lot and often will lead into more conversational questions and more situation type questions. But I always like to prep my talent by having them think about not only kind of what personally gets them excited about the job, but their skills that they've brought to the table, why they personally think they're a good fit, but also just looking at the job description. And I encourage a lot of my talent to do the highlighter test where you physically take a highlighter and write off all the skills that you've done. And, you know, that's how you incorporate it into answering the question strongly. I, I know that. That, you're, that you're looking for X, Y, and Z. Here's when I've done it. Yeah, I like that idea a lot because then they can have the job description and their resume hand in hand, and it's almost like a little cheat sheet for them. Exactly. And it makes it a little bit easier for the person that's interviewing them to make those correlations. Because obviously, 
your resume is not going to read like the job description. It's not going to have the same wording or even just the same bullets. And sometimes what you think is important to put on your resume is still valid, but it might not look exactly the same as the job description. So in order to connect the dots, being able to do that for yourself can be really beneficial. And when it comes down to answering questions like, you know, your biggest professional achievement or the biggest challenge that you've overcome, I like to recommend using the STAR method, which is an, basically an abbreviation of situation, task, action, result. So anytime you get faced with a situational question, that's always the little kind of method I use to think about the best way to answer it. You want to restate it by saying, hey, the situation I was dealt with was X. The task at hand I had to take was the next part. What action did I actually do? And what was the result of that action? And when you think about answering a question like that, almost as if you're writing an essay in kind of a paragraph form, you're going to set yourself up for success to have a really good, solid answer of your experience and how that's contributing to why you're a great fit and the success that you're having there. So I think it's all about posing yourself the right way, preparing your thoughts in a nice way, and just making sure you have everything in your toolbox to speak on all of your strengths. You don't necessarily want to talk about negative experiences unless you can really turn it into a learning lesson or a positive. You don't want to bad mouth any, you know, potential past bosses or coworkers. Yes. Yeah, you want to talk about those conflicts or challenges on, hey, maybe I had a negative situation with somebody, but it taught me how to handle conflict in the workplace better. Or I realized maybe I needed to communicate differently. So it's just making sure you're prepared for what questions might come at you and just the best way to answer those. Awesome. I love it so much. I really, I really love the STAR method too. Yeah, it's honestly, it's a really short, easy trick. And I know sometimes those situational questions trip people up, but it's okay to take a breath, collect your thoughts and think, okay, let me think about how I want to answer this question. If I know the situation I want to talk about, let me just focus on wording it a certain way. Because sometimes the way that you discuss the situation or the, the answer to their question is almost better than the answer itself. Like you can take a not so great situation and word it really well and, and make it more positive. That's still going to give them the answer that they're looking for. Absolutely. And I, I think too, um, while doing a virtual interview, it's, you know, where being curious too, right. Coming to the table prepared, but then there's always, well, do you have any questions for us? Absolutely. And so many times I've been interviewing and a talent will say, no, I think I'm good. But yet they haven't even interviewed me. I've done all the interviewing. And it's so important for a talent to interview a company or a client just as much as they're interviewing you. 100%. I always tell hiring managers, you're selling the job in the company just as much as that candidate should be selling themselves to you. It's not a one-way street. It's not always, you know, the company just gets to decide who they want and, and that person's going to magically accept all of the time. It, it really is an art form of having to match on both sides. So that's the other part of coming prepared is making sure you have questions. I always tell people a minimum of three to five questions and they should be really in-depth questions. So a good example is, hey, what are my day-to-day -day responsibilities gonna be in this role? And from the company standpoint, what are your goals as a company for the upcoming quarter or the upcoming year? How is this role gonna directly contribute to those 
looked at those performance goals? How can I make sure I'm performing well? How would you describe the ideal candidate for this position? I love that question because you can then flip it and say, hey, based on what you're telling me, here's a restatement of why I think I'm a good candidate. Again, it's almost like writing an essay where at the end you restate your thesis. Like, this is why I'm, I'm even sitting here in front of you because based on what you're telling me, I know I'm a really good fit. And then asking just about the organizational structure, how this role fits into the hierarchy of positions, what teams you're gonna be working with. Learning about the next steps of the interview process is crucial, not only for you, but to show them, hey, I'm interested in moving forward to those next steps. When can I expect to hear back? What do those steps look like? And how should I better prepare? And then another great question that I think could even add on to this that I've gotten a lot and I really love to tell my candidates about because I think it just really shows hiring managers you're thinking long term about how you'd be a good fit is asking about the 30, 60, 90 day expectations when you join this team. What am I going to be expected to accomplish in the first 30 days, the first 60 days and the first 90 days? Because that's really your quote unquote training period when you're joining a new position. So when you understand for yourself, this is what's going to be thrown at you the first 90 days that you're in the role. Okay, now I have a better understanding of what they really need from me off the bat to make that good impression and remind them that they made a good hire. How can I add to that and say, hey, I've actually done all of these things that you're asking me to do in those first 90 days in my past role. So I think I'm going to hit the ground running again, just a great way to kind of turn it back on yourself and put that cherry on top of a good interview of why I'm a good fit. And you're sitting here taking an hour or sometimes more to speak with me. Let me really just make it worth your time by restating all of these things about myself. Awesome. I love that too. And I think too, it allows the client, especially the 30, 60, 90 day question, it allows the client to dissect the role themselves. I mean, some clients may, may maybe they didn't think past this next 60 days because they're just in such a, a hot seat to get the role filled or you know maybe even there's expectations that the the talent can then even explore those expectations more in order to you know ace the interview a little bit heavier or to show their true colors a little bit stronger in order to make them a potential better fit for that client so that's yeah, great. I think it's just another great point too to remind yourself as the interview interviewee, I should say, is this a job that I really think I can do, but also do I really want to do this job now that I've heard from the horse's mouth exactly everything that they need from me? Was there anything that they answered in these questions that gave me some cause for concern or gave me some hesitations? Because that might happen sometimes and that's okay. Not every interview on both ends is going to be a perfect fit. So you also want to be smart about the questions you're asking to make sure you're not going to waste your own time going through with an interview process if you don't think it's going to be the right fit for you. But if it works out well and you ask these questions and everything you hear is great, that's when you really want to continue to just sell yourself and, and really set the stage for re-emphasizing all of the points that make you a strong candidate. Awesome. And I think another best practice, my fourth best practice, I guess I would say, is really just finding that connection with why you're interviewing for the role, 
why you want the job and what makes it the next best fit for you, right? Like, I don't think you should look at a job as just another stepping stone. I think every position that you're potentially taking on, no matter how far along you are in your career, if you're just getting started or if you're 15, 20 years in, is going to be an asset to the longevity of your process. So really making sure going into it and coming out of it, that you've gotten some sort of clarity around why this role why are you interviewing? Make that human connection with the person. Why this company? Why this potential hiring manager, right? Afterwards, if you're like, hey, I don't know if I would connect with that person. Is that who I'm directly reporting to? Or is that person just somebody in HR or, um, you know, just somebody up in the company that I, that I have to kind of jump through a hoop to speak with. These are the things you want to really make sure again, are a good fit for you, but that you can also be a good fit for them from a cultural standpoint. I also think too, that the fit professionally, but also culturally, you know, find, find that connection on a personal level too, especially if it's a hiring manager, because you know, more often than not, you spend more time working and with your your work family. And so you want to make sure that you want to have a coffee with this person and that you can hold a, a conversation with the person yeah. and into it, but find that connection, whether it's you both like fishing or you both like watching Dancing with the Stars or, you know, some sort of that human connection to not just be uh, very professional, but also that you have that the human side of you or the personality to back up who you are and and showing up and being real, right? Because yeah. then you, then you're able to not only form form your professional connection, but your personal connection too, which I think just strengthens you in the interview process. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. It has to be a good culture fit on both sides. You have to feel like you really connect with these people. You want to feel like it's going to add something to your stress level and positive environment. Nobody wants to go into a job that they don't like the people that they're working with. And we get enough stress from work in other ways. This is your opportunity to make sure that this is going to be a way that at least like rewards you and keeps you going because you can have that human moment if you're just having a bad day and need to talk about something other than the task at hand. I agree. I think that cultural fit is so important. So that's your opportunity to really find that balance when you're telling them about yourself. Hey, maybe I went to college at XYZ or if you looked at the interviewer's LinkedIn profile ahead of time, hey, I noticed you were involved in this. I'm also involved in that in, in my free time, what have you. So those are just little ways to really further that connection on both ends. And then I think the last thing is really just following up and being responsive, especially in a world like we're in today where we're all stuck at home. So you're forced to be on your computer. You're forced to be on your phone, checking your email every day. That responsive rate and how quickly you're responding and following up goes even longer and farther than it used to, I think, because now there's almost no excuse not to send a quick thank you note, which so many people still appreciate. It seems to some, I think, a little antiquated, especially younger generations might not realize the importance of a thank you email. 
but really just a quick follow-up, even if it's a couple hours later, Hey, I really enjoyed speaking with you. The parts of our conversations that stood out to me were X, Y, and Z. And here's another reason why I think I'm a great fit. I look forward to hearing from you. That just makes somebody's day, restates your interest and your seriousness about the role. But again, just shows them like, hey, you have the professional courtesy to at least let them know how you're feeling. Because sometimes it is hard to tell over video chat what your thoughts are and what the next steps are going to be. And going into that, making sure you're following up if they do email you about a next step and they do want to get something scheduled. The faster you can get that response out there, the faster the process is going to move for you, but it's also going to reflect how interested you are and how committed you are to making things go smoothly for everybody. So it's just making sure that you're communicating, almost over-communicating, I think, in a lot of ways in today's day and age, goes the extra mile because people would rather get maybe three emails from you in one day than one every three days. Absolutely. And I I, I agree, definite on the follow-up. I think, you know, a lot of times talent just kind of expect, whether they're working with the recruiter or working directly with the client, Um, Sometimes talent may think the recruiter will follow up with the client, but it's just as important for the talent too. I mean, we've had clients or I've known clients in the past that won't even move forward until they get a thank you email. And after two days, if they don't receive a thank you email, they'll move on. I mean, it's again, and it depends on the roles, but really any role following up, responding, and, and communicating is huge, especially in today's virtual world with technology. It's, it's very simple to just send a quick one to two sentence uh, follow-up email. Always make sure you include all parties on that email too, yeah. so that everybody's aware of it. Absolutely. Or just send individual thank you emails to each person you met with. If you really want to individualize and personalize the messages that just, again, it shows them that you have, I think first and foremost, just professional courtesy. So even if you are walking away feeling, Hey, like, I don't know if I'm the right fit, or I don't know if this is going to be the right fit. I want to see what else comes of the process. Or if you're like, man, this is exactly what I want to be doing. That courtesy, I think is just really a a nice thing to do, but it also just makes you look like a a really well-rounded professional And then again, it's an opportunity for you to just restate yourself. I think there's no harm in putting it all on the table and expressing why you want this job. Everybody wants to be wanted and hiring managers are the same way. Like they get those butterflies from a candidate saying like, hey, I'm really excited about this role and I think I'm a really good fit. It's almost a mirror effect where part of them's like, wow, okay. Like, I think I'm, I really like you too, especially if your skills do align and your interview went really well that they're just going to continue to feed off that. So it's just these little tiny touches that realistically, none of this takes a very long time. You do not have to spend four or five hours preparing for that interview. You do not need to take all of these notes or do all of this extensive research on the company. And it takes you maybe five minutes to send some of these emails. Like none of this takes that long, but it's all about the thought that you put into it. That's going to make the difference. Awesome, Victoria. This was great. Just to kind of go over really quickly, top five best practices, test your technology, set the scene, dress your part. Second one, be prepared. Third, be curious, be self-prepared. 
ask questions, come prepared with answers. Fourth is really finding the connection. And the fifth top best practice is following up. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us today and being a part of the Define Talent team as always. Um, everyone keep an eye out for our next podcast where we are going to pull together five top ways to answer one of the biggest questions. Why do you want this job during an interview? We are Define Talent, a Define Logic service coming to you at top five. Make it a great day. Mm -hmm.